On this episode of The Playbook, I have Trevor Price, former NFL defensive end turned entrepreneur, and we're going to talk about following your passion and competing to create. Join me for all of this and more on The Playbook. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I have Trevor Price. You may know him as a Super Bowl champion, all pro, pro bowler, Denver Bronco, but that's nothing. This guy is an ultra entrepreneur and he has started his own, well, he started out just as an author, right, Trevor? Yeah, at first, um, and it's, it was a passion of writing, but how I got, how I got into it, though, was through music, because everybody knows I did music for a long time, and what happened was um, one of our songs was licensed for a Fox film, and they asked me to come to the studio, to come to the lot, come sign my paperwork, hey, you ever been to a movie lot? I was like, no, I've never been to one, right? <laughs> so I went to Fox and I walked in a lot and I was like, I'm no longer doing music. I'm doing whatever this is. And where does that imagination come from and confidence that, you know, you can walk onto a lot and determine your entire career? Uh, um, sheer willpower and ignorance, right? And did it, you use that true. to be a professional football player too? Would that you be the same? Kinda, well, I think in my case, it was kind of obvious, you know, you're just <laughs> bigger and faster than everybody else, you know, like, okay, well, th this works, right? right? Yeah. But the imagining stuff, like everybody's a kid once, right? And and I could draw when I was young, I love music, I love creative things, but now I look at the creative things as kind of both, um, I compete to create, which is very interesting, which is interesting because yeah. I, you know, at some point you gotta say, hey, I'm as good as you are, if not better. And I think, I think that's where the athletic stuff, that's where the football comes into play. It's a, it's a competition thing inside of me, you know what I mean? It's, it's interesting because I see a lot of athletes that are creative. Um, you know, there's schools for creativity, mm -hmm. but there, I believe that a lot of creativity comes through us as an yeah. inspiration. And even though there's directors, producers, actors, voiceover people, mm -hmm. You, you and I both know a lot of athletes that weren't maybe even professional athletes, but somehow are just as competitive in the space, but have the confidence to say, you know what, I may not have gone to USC film school, right. but I can right. do this and learn how right. to do it, humbly learn how to do it. Right. What, what uh, and, were those and, challenges like? Um, it, was, it was interesting because you know, as, a, as a pro athlete, no matter what sports you play, you get that six months off a year. <laughs> and that's when you have to kind of go at it, right? So I, I've always been, I learned a long time ago, my first day in NFL, Neil Smith told me, he said, don't burn the candle at both ends. When you're playing your sport, when you're a professional, you're a professional. When you're not, you're not, right? And so those six months, I would spend saying yes to everything. And what happens is you wind up in all these rooms. Hey, you wanna go meet this person? Sure. You wanna go there? Sure, yes, yes, yes. Baron you Davis. Want, yeah. He's classic Baron Davis. Yeah, so you wind up, you wind up <laughs> meeting a bunch of people, and then um, I think the advantage was I, when I first started doing this, I was still with Denver, so I wasn't in New York or L.A. all the time, so I would have to call people or email them. And the funny thing is, I was, tell, I was telling, telling my kids yesterday, I was like, when you're a pro athlete, every president of every studio picks up the phone once. And, and like I called like 
Doug <laughs> Belgrade, who's the president of Sony, I was like, they're like, Doug Belgrade's office. I said, this is Trevor Price. The secretary said, hold on. Right. And Doug was like, hello? You know what I mean? He doesn't pick up the phone for anybody at that time. But they will pick it up once. But when they pick it up, you better have something intelligent to say. You better have something worth listening to. Because you'll get an audience once. You won't get it twice. Yeah. Which so I made sure I made sure I had something decent to say. And, I, and the first project I ever sold, I sold to Doug Belgrad. I had never pitched a movie in my life. I went to his office. I pitched a movie. He said, we're buying this. I was like, okay, so what happens now? You know <laughs> right. what I mean? So that, sheer ignorance is how, sheer, I hate saying ignorance, but I think it's kind of like, kind of a so what attitude. Yeah. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I still have to go to football practice. So there was a, there's a safety net, and when you have that safety net, it's easy to go screw something up. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. that's where it came from. And talking to that, you know, most people, and you invest your own money, mostly mm -hmm. your own money. Mm -hmm. And there comes a, a point, whether you're Jerry Jones or Trevor Price, you know, Jerry will tell you two different times in his life, he had everything, but he, most people don't know, he risked everything to build that stadium, Absolutely. right? He risked everything to buy the team. Everything. 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 And you, you know, as we sit here, I know, I can see as I watch the incredible things that you produce, you're risking everything. And you have kids mm -hmm. and a mm -hmm. wife. Mm -hmm. And you know, coming from a guy who has risked everything, lost everything, and made it back, yeah. I know what that feels like. How do you balance that, that type of fear compared to on the field fear? Oof, I have never been asked that. Um, I think there's two, thi there's, two, there's two things, right? So one, just my life, right? So I've kind of done everything, right? And you know, you own the big home, and then you realize having a big home is pretty awful yeah. because a big home makes big mess. Big mess means big bills. Lots of bills. And, and it's just you just feel it's, it's just and then and then your kids start growing up. And like my oldest daughter's in college. My next one's about to go to college next year. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do with all this space? We don't, you know what I mean? And I've I've owned the exotic cars and all that kind of thing. So I think. I'm at a point in my life now where it's about the work and not about the stuff. You know what I mean? And I think that's why, that's where the balance came in. Because when you're, when you're 23, 24 years old and you've never had that kind of thing, you do it. And I did it. I did it big. Right? Yeah, and yeah. then you just go, then you get to 30, <laughs> 32, you're like, <laughs> it's like, oh God, I mean, how many more sneakers do I need? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm at that point now, I've kind of done it correctly, is that I've lived that life. I don't want, I don't want or need to do that again. You know, my, my kids, they've like literally they've seen and done it all. And now I'm all about, you know, I, so I read, a, I read a quote, I don't know who said it, but I, I, I'd never forget it. A wise woman once said, family, friends, work, fitness, sleep, pick three. You can only have three. I love that. So that's, that's a quote. I didn't make that up, right? Yeah. And I was like, when I think about that every day, and the three that I've picked, none of them have to do with blowing money doing stupidness. I picked work, family, and fitness. I don't sleep much, yeah. right? <laughs> that's what my I study, day, my that's day study sleep. Now, one of the things that I've seen about professional athletes converting over into the work world is that the greatest all pros and, and pro bowlers like yourself, if your body w would have handled it, you would have worked out eight hours a day. 
right? It's in your nature, that consistent, yeah. persistent behavior. Mm -hmm. When people like you transfer over into the work wor world. It's the same. It, but the difference is you can actually work 16 hours a day. I, that is. Right? You that couldn't is, do that with sports. That is hilarious because I work 16 hours a day. I was here yesterday for 12 hours. Yeah. And you blink and it's like, it's 6 p.m. and I got here at 8. You know what I mean? You like, you just blink and you're like, oh, it's time to go home. And that same, you're, you're, you're built, I think, as an athlete, especially a football player, your body's built for trauma, right? It yeah. is traumatic. Well, especially we when you're 6'6". Six, six. Especially when you're 6'6", six, six, right? <laughs> and you're 300 pounds. So your body's built for trauma. So that same traumatic mindset comes into when I open a studio. And I am here all day and all night. The difference being when my kids go home, my kids get home from school, my two that are of now from school, when they have practices, I leave here and go to practice or I go watch things. Family values. And then I come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And after they go to bed, I come back and I've been here till 1 a.m. And I'm not <laughs> alone. There's a bunch of people here. You know what I mean? There's a kid, I think, that lives here. I'm not quite <laughs> not sure. sure. Not telling like, I don't want to ask him because right. there's a liability. He has his own Rudy. He has his own Rudy. No, he does. He has his, he, the kid has a room in the back. And I was like, uh, I caught him in there sleeping yesterday morning. Yeah. I was like, I was like, Peter, get up. So anyway, um, but, it, th but it, that is, that is a thing. That is. That is true. And besides working twice as many hours, one of the things I find about athletes, college, pro, uh, just competitive athletes, is that you learn to be efficient uh, as oh, yeah. well as statistically successful. Yeah. Because you're used to practicing. Yeah. And so you, I call it the power of 64. Most athletes will work 16 hours, twice as efficiently, twice as statistically successful. Absolutely. So every day they're getting 64 hours. And then they love it so much, they do it seven days a week. Yeah. That's... I mean, I've never heard anybody say it like that, but that's that's kind of where where I am, right? And we have a bunch of sayings around here. Um, one of them being, "It's not rocket science," <laughs> but around here it is rocket science. Like, yeah, I've you know seen what I mean? It is rocket science, right? And, yeah. And you know, I I I kind of instill upon my thirty employees, like, okay, we we have to be not even not just efficient we have to be better than everybody else. So, you know, one of the other things you say around here is, if we're supposed to do it, we're not doing it. So there's supposed to, there's certain tropes in storytelling and making things and, and doing that kind of stuff where I go, yeah, your first instinct is probably wrong. Because right. yeah, if you thought of it that fast, it means you haven't thought about it. So that's why we have so many people and they're spread out kind of, and they come in all kinds of times a day and you just wind up saying, okay, um, like a head coach, right? I'm, I'm, I, I still follow football very much. So I, I even follow it more now than I did when I played. Okay. And and I, I look at what John Harbaugh has done. I was there when he got hired. And Steve Bashadi and Ozzie did the right thing of hiring not a offensive or defensive genius. I hired a special teams coach, right? A guy that he gets, he has to motivate the guys that don't want to do that job. Right? right, flat out. They want to and do they, something else. They want to go be the star tailback or be the star defensive. Blah, blah, blah. But I got to motivate eleven guys that want nothing to do with this. And if you do, if you do that well, you can motivate anybody. So, plus you have Ray Lewis. Right. Oh, wow. Well, that, that's that's another thing. <laughs> the right? most inspirational yeah, person yeah, right. I've ever met. Right. So, yeah. the way I look at it is, is I have to be creative, ultra creative, but I have to lead. And I have to lead by example, and I have to kind of rally everybody every day around here. And I, I kind of, 
Um, the other thing, I kind of let them be. You know what I mean? And like some of them kind of show up late and something, but they're artists. And I come here. I've come here plenty of Saturdays and seen people here. Not pay, I, I told them to get here, but they're motivated. And uh, there's one kid I kind of, another guy. I'm like, nobody be like Tyreek. And I tell him all the time, if I didn't like you, I wouldn't pick on you. Oh my goodness! That's why, Thank that's you. Why, Say that I, one more time. And I pick on him every day. Yo, I my, pick on him. I like. I ride him like my a young mind Michigan mule. guys over there shaking his head. He goes, "Dave must love me." Yeah, <laughs> like a, I ride him like a mind mule. And, yeah. and, I, and I've told him. And I've told him. I said, as long as I this place exists, you will always work here. And uh, you know, what about raising thing, raising your voice? We come from a football background, you know, we're about seven years that. apart. Yeah. Do you ever have, do it? Nope. Never I don't do have to do it. I, I, if I say, if I say, this is where we're doing it, then if I say it like that, everybody kind of stops. Yeah. Because, I, because I give them enough freedom. You know, like I'm directing the movie and the way the program, the way the software works is you kind of move the cameras and do cinematography after you shoot. Right. Like the way they made Elite a Battle Angel. Robert Rodriguez was, was filming somebody. They were like, where do you want the camera? He said, we don't need the camera right now. We <laughs> moved the camera after we've gotten the data. So there's a guy here who's always wanted to be a director, right? I'm directing the movie. I set the cameras after we're done. I'm like, okay, we're doing this. I go down there, look at it, and it's completely different. And I go, okay, who moved the cameras? And, Pat, and the guy, Patrick, is like, well, you know, we, I thought this and other. And the guy that runs 3D for me, I was like, well, you have to tell them to stop moving the cameras. And then one day, I, one day they came to me and, and the guy that runs 3D said, he was telling me that he's always wanted to do this. And without, without this place, he would have never gotten to do it. So I stepped way back and went, I gotta, you know, I gotta let him spread his wings a little bit. Because, because this opportunity only exists, again, but 500 miles in a circle, we are alone. You know what I mean? So, so, this, so that is why I kind of let a lot of them kind of just go about their thing because they will eventually get to where I am, right? Because I'm, I'm pretty yeah. good at this stuff. But once, and once they get there and I can trust them, I'm like, I got to do something else. Y'all fix this. You brought up a great point. Not only are you the only one within 500 you know, miles, but in the country, the places where this stuff is normally done, you're probably the top production creative house like this in, the, in maybe even the world. Why Baltimore? Um, two, two reasons. Number one, I say this all the time and I say it like this. I ain't from here, right? I'm from Florida, right? Yeah. Um, my kids are from here. Well, my kids were all born, born in Denver, but... They grew up here. They grew up, they grew up here, right? So that's one. The second thing is my wife and I like it here. We like, we, like the, um, we like where it is. We're close to all our family, but we also like diversity of the place. We like that we're close to New York and all these type of things. So from a personal standpoint, that's one thing. From an artistic standpoint, there's two things here. The art school where our studio is here at MICA um, is a resource, right? Um, the woman that runs Nickelodeon went to school here, right? So there is, there is if you're gonna start a studio, the hardest thing to do is find artists. We have a place where artists reside. Now, I will tell you this: all of them need to get better right? <laughs> as an artist, as a, as kid. But it's not their fault because they've never had anything to compete for, or any, because there's no art jobs here, right? So you go to art school and then you go work at Grubhub. That's kind of that's kind of the pattern yeah. on this part this part of the country, right? 
So that's number one. Number two, there's a, because we are doing VFX and rendering and performance capture and all this, all this future tech, like, well, ILM, like I'm in ILM's tailwind, Industrial Light and Magic, Lucasfilm, so like whatever they're doing, we do. Just on a much smaller scale, but it is the same, right? So um, we, we, have to, we have to be able to say, say that we are competing with them. And to do that, you need computer scientists. And there's a computer language spoken in this part of the world that we can pull people from. We have a guy, we have a guy that's studying computer science at Johns Hopkins that knows how to draw. Yeah. And what I'm starting to realize now is, as a studio, you don't need great artists because the software, the engines in the software do mostly all the work for you. Like, you know, at this point, right now, you can build a photorealistic environment on a cell phone in 15 minutes. Crazy. And I'm not like, that's not exaggeration. I've, yeah. se I've seen it done, right? But you need, you need education and programming people to separate yourself. In practice. In practice, right? And, and, you know, fun enough, I talk, I talk to people about when we start to expand, where are we going to expand? Like, where are we going to get people from? And I am looking at the Czech Republic and like the Eastern Bloc, because the people that are over there doing this, they're doing the 3D stuff like that, they're the best in the world, simply because they have nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. So they spend all day practicing. And some of the stuff you see online, you're just like, what? Yeah, like, I just saw some of it. Yeah, but, but, but even more so, like the, yeah. the, the, like, like the, the guys in, like, not even Moldova, but like, <laughs> Weird places around the world, that, and they don't they speak. Connection, right? They, they don't. They, they speak bad English, but boy, they, you know, they spend. They overdo everything, so everything looks real over there. You know what I mean? And they have no. They cannot get to this part of the world. Yeah. So I have to find out, figure out, how do I pull six of those people out of the basement they are in somewhere using a bad PC onto the futuristic crap we have here. Right. Amazing. Last, qu last question. What do you miss most about playing professional football and what do you like the most about being an entrepreneur? Um, I think, I, you know what I miss most about playing? Pro I, I miss the preparation. I miss the off season. I miss the, because my thing became, my thing became, what do you do when, when the season's over to prepare for next season? And that became what, that became like a, rallying point for me like okay I need to get stronger I need to get faster I need to do something different and it's that it's because right now when you don't play you work out this will be working out because right? <laughs> you don't want to get fat and I'm like I, I miss that I miss working towards that goal to be honest I miss that more than the crowds I miss that more than the games I miss that thing that by myself kind of like just me and a bunch of sand and some kettlebells and you know just like trying to be like again competing right mm -hmm. the, the football part is easy because you're just big and strong whatever but the competing with oh what'd you do this off season yeah. you didn't do what i did <laughs> you know what i mean and so that leads to what do you like most about being an entrepreneur um the same thing yeah. it's 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 me telling people that that are supposed to be good at this that they're not <laughs> i spent a lot of time doing that like who told you you were good at this? Yeah. I spent a lot of time doing Which that. is fun for me because, you know, when I stepped on the college football field, they looked at me 
like people in the business world probably look like you. Yeah. Oh, right? <laughs> right. And, oh, what's this football player think he can do? He's making movies. And, 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 right? and here's the thing. I have become the guy that, that says, no, you should have played football and I should be doing your job. Right on. Because you're not good at this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I spent, I mean. And you are good at this. Yeah, at this point, because I worked hard at it. Yeah. And, and again, the thing I will say is when y'all were walking around and shaking hands and kissing babies, I was working at this. I was, I was writing and creating and thinking about story. Not because I thought it made me rich or nothing like that, because I love doing it and I want to be better than you are. The people that I want to be, I want to be compared to are not you. <laughs> and we know who those people are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm working towards that. Well, you encompass one of my favorite sayings with his Trevor Price. He enjoys the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of his own potential, whether it's on or off the field, his favorite things.